Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning comes from Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 17. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near to you, near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So far, God's holy word. You may be seated. In the name of Christ, by whose name all who call upon it shall be saved, dear fellow redeemed. When I drive down to Seattle and back, there is always one thing that catches my eye. Just off I-5, there is an old-looking brick church that has a sign that says, Jesus loves Seattle. First few times I drove past it, I had to chuckle a bit. Really? God loves Seattle? It's awfully presumptuous. Do they not watch the news? What do they think God says regarding sin? What is sin to that church that they can say, Jesus loves Seattle? But the more I saw that sign, and especially the more when I studied this text for today, the more I realized this slogan was actually very true. Now, I don't know if that particular church means it in the same way. But regardless, Jesus does love Seattle. And in fact, it can extend beyond just Seattle to Linwood, to Tacoma, Los Angeles, Dallas, Phoenix, Minneapolis, British Columbia, New York, wherever it may be. Every city can put up a sign that says, Jesus loves this city. But this slogan is not true in the, most, most, in the way that most people think of it. Most people would read the sign, Jesus loves this city, as meaning Jesus loves this place because it is so great and the quality of the city is awesome. That is not why Jesus loves Seattle. 
In fact, Jesus loved Seattle in spite of the quality of the city. Seattle, just like every other city or town in the world, is littered with sin and sinners. Jesus loves Seattle, or whatever city, because of what our theme is for this morning. The Word of God is your righteousness. Jesus loves whatever city, not because of the quality of people there, but because the Word of God is being proclaimed there. He loves them because He is sending out His people to tell the people the good news that Jesus has taken away their sin, and He has won for them righteousness before God. In this section of Romans, Paul is lamenting over the fact that his own people, Israel, had rejected the promised Messiah, despite all the promises and advantages that they had. In chapter 10, he turns his focus into explaining why they miss the mark so badly. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. Israel missed the mark because they were seeking righteousness by means of the law, or the Old Covenant. They took the rules and commands of the Lord too far. And they, well, they took the commands and rules of the Lord seriously. And this was a good thing, except for the fact that they went beyond what the Lord wanted them to do. God had already given the people the promise of the Savior through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This was a covenant of grace that would be for the people a salvation and righteousness. But this covenant fell to the wayside. And instead, the people, in Jesus' time, led by the Pharisees, pursued a righteousness by the law. It was up to them to earn righteousness before God and to earn His grace and favor. And it was this mindset that so consumed them that they missed the clear signs of the promised Messiah. God made flesh, and they rejected Him. And this is the righteousness of the law, at least those who live by it. They reject the idea that Jesus is taking care of everything for you, and all that is left to do is believe. Instead, it says, I must go up to God. I must make him love me. Now, Paul also explains this difference between the righteousness of the law and the righteousness of faith by telling what the righteousness of faith does not do. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. The righteousness that you and I gain by faith in Jesus totally excludes any work that we can do toward salvation. It is impossible for us to be worthy of God's love. Psalm 53 says, God has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there's anyone who understands, who seeks after God. Every one of them has turned aside. Together they have become corrupt, there is no one who does good, not even one.
not even the most righteous Christian that you can think of, stands righteous before God on his or her own accord. We are all corrupted by sin. We could not compel Jesus in any way to come down to this earth. Nor could we, by our own power or works, raise him from the dead. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he accomplished everything. If there was anything left to do, he would have remained dead. Because our righteousness, all our good works, are like filthy rags by our own accord. And even when you think that you have done well to keep God's law, James reminds us, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. Righteousness by the law is impossible. And anyone who searches for this kind of righteousness will not receive salvation, but damnation. So Jesus loves Seattle. Jesus loves you. Yes, he does. It is not because of any worth within you or me. What is it then? How can we say that Jesus loves you? Well, it's through the righteousness of faith that comes through the word of God. But what does it, that is the righteousness of faith, say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. The word of God is your righteousness. It is the word of God that called you out of the darkness of sin into the marvelous light of God's love and mercy. The word of God cut through your calloused heart by using the law to convict you and me of our sins. And this is what allowed the Holy Spirit to fill you with the sweet healing words of the gospel. The righteousness of faith is accomplished in your heart. Within your heart, the Holy Spirit gives you the conviction that Jesus Christ is your Savior from sin. He is true God and true man. He did live a perfect life according to God's law and Rome's law. He did perform miracles that shows that he has power over wind and wave, over the rules and order of space and time, and most importantly, he has power over death itself. The Holy Spirit gives you the conviction that Jesus, out of his selfless love, chose death itself, or chose death. He chose the path of the cross in order to suffer the punishment of the cross. And on that cross, Jesus was abandoned by his heavenly Father, the punishment that your sins and mine deserved. All this your Savior did without sin, even through the point of death, a perfect life and a perfect death done in your place.
given to you to be your record before God on the day of judgment. So that now, despite the sins that you might commit, God grants you forgiveness. Because he doesn't see your darkened heart. He sees Jesus' perfect life and perfect death accomplished for you. This is a conviction that the Holy Spirit makes in your heart. This is a confession that comes off your lips every day you walk this earth. This is the righteousness of faith. Now your belief in Jesus as your Savior puts a target on your back. By your confession, you have become an enemy of the world and the number one target for Satan to destroy. But also by your confession, you have a guarantee from your Heavenly Father. You will not be put to shame. Your salvation cannot be taken away from you. Though you face the ire of this world, it can be regarded as nothing to you. Why? For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You have an abundance of riches rooted in the Lord God who died for you. He is the one who gives you daily bread. He is the one who gives you daily protection from Satan and all his evil angels. He is the one who secures your life eternally with him in heaven. Now it may not be riches quantifiable by worldly standards, but it is an inheritance unlike any other. You are the heir of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Peter describes it in this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So this too is a result of a righteousness that is yours by faith. And how is it yours? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's as simple as that. The word of God is taught. There is no other method of salvation. There is no other key to outreach. Where the word of God is preached, there goes forth the love of God. From the preaching of the word of God, the Holy Spirit works. Why does Jesus love Seattle or any other city? 
because that is where he is sending the message of the gospel. First it was given to you, and now he is calling you to send it out to every corner. The word of God is your righteousness. It is not what you have done, but it is what the Bible says Jesus did for you that saves you. And it is that same word of God that you can use to call others to repentance and share with them the love of their Savior who died for them. May the Lord grant us a willing spirit to be those messengers of the gospel of peace. In Jesus' name, amen.